Welcome to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. From handguns to rifles and hunting to self-defense, even a bit of politics. It's time to exercise your First and Second Amendment rights. Call and join the conversation, 734-822-1600. And now, your host, Dick Kupke. Well, good morning and welcome back to Trigger Talk. Here it is, September 16th, middle of September already. Holy cow, the, it is true what they say, that as you get closer to the end of everything, the just like toilet paper rolls, it goes faster, right? You know, when it get down, man, it's all gone. Well, gosh, here it is, September already. Um, and it's going to be a fun day today. We're going to have, I'm going to talk more about guns today than politics. I, I do have some politic talk, but, uh, but I wanted to talk about guns and uh, different kinds of things and some questions that I've gotten on the email. I do have my, um, my email up, which is dick at triggertalkradio.com. So you can email me. And uh, I'll try to check it during the show and answer any questions you got. Dick at TriggerTalkRadio.com. And uh, we'll see what happens. So at any rate, it's a beautiful day outside today. I actually got up, put on, it was like 44 last night. Won't be long and there'll be frost on the pumpkin, right? So uh, let's see. We'll talk about a few things. But first of all, gosh, we got a game tonight, don't we? Uh, Derek, How's it, what's the prediction for tonight? I'm predicting Michigan has a really strong running game today. They've been a little hit or miss so far. I think they rush for 300 yards like we're accustomed to. And I think Michigan wins by a score of 49 to nothing. Oh, my gosh. That is a huge 49 to nothing. Okay, well, we'll check that next week then when we get back. How about the Lions? How are they going to do tomorrow? Well, from what I've heard, the Offensive line of the Seattle Seahawks is banged up a little bit, so that should help out the Detroit Lions in a big way, especially with Aiden Hutchinson. He should have a huge game, and I think the Lions get revenge on the Seahawks for that shootout loss last season at Ford Field, and I think the Lions come out on top 31-24. to Okay, that that's a more reasonable one. That's doable for forty nine to nothing on the Michigan game, and there is a little interesting uh, story with that. Steve Leffler, former Michigan quarterback, right? Uh, Scott Leffler. Scott Leffler. Yep. yep, yep. He's the head coach of Bowling Green, and so it's a homecoming for him. He's going to want to try to impress the U of M football team with his coaching ability, because who knows? Maybe he'll want to come back. And be on the coaching staff someday. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's almost like uh, if he does a good job, it'll almost be like a, an ad- audition, won't it? Yeah, because you, you never know, because there have been rumors about current assistants on the Michigan coaching staff who might be head coaches in the near future, and that comes with great success. The other schools will want to try to pry away your top assistants. And oh, yeah. So, so who knows? He, he may come back someday. Interesting, interesting. Well, if you're not so interested in football and you want to go to a uh, gun show, let's talk about those first. Uh, let's see. We have got the, of uh, course, gun sh- the game is until like 7 o'clock tonight. Is that right? Kickoff is 7.40. 7.40. So it's going to be a late night tonight in the uh, Ann Arbor area. Plenty of time to go to a gun show during the day. But uh, let's see. First of all, in Michigan, we got, gosh, 
two out of four have been canceled. First of all, the Ironwood Gun and Knife Show. Now, I don't think anybody from downstate here is headed all the way up to Ironwood to go to a gun show, but it's canceled, okay? Uh, however, the Kalamazoo Gun and Knife Show is, uh, is taking place, and the Free Soil Gun and Knife Show in Free Soil, Michigan. I've never heard of Free Soil, Michigan. I'll have to look that up at the break. Um, and then they they canceled the Fremont uh, American Heritage Gun Show. In Ohio, we got the Maumee Valley Gun Show in Bowling Green. Oh, gosh, in Bowling Green. They're all up in Ann Arbor today. They're not going to be down there. Let's see, the Ohio Gun Collectors Association meeting in Wilmington, Ohio. The Lake Ozark, oh, wait a minute, this is Missouri now, Lake Ozark's Lions Club Outdoor Sportsman Presentation in Lake Ozark, Missouri, and the Knights of Columbus Hall in DeSoto, Michigan, or Missouri is having the DeSoto Gun Show. And Arizona's only got one, but it's in Tucson, so maybe Mike can go there, or Gary, or 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 Paul, or one of you guys, uh, Crossroads Tucson Gun Show, okay? And that is uh, today and tomorrow at the Pima County Fairgrounds, okay? Uh, numbers remi- remain the same at 813,645 CPLs. And uh, let's see, I do want to mention that uh, tomorrow is a handgun bowling pin shoot out at Tri-County Sportsman's League from 12 to 5. Always fun. Uh, I can't go and shoot because I've got a cast on my shooting hand. I could maybe try left-handed, but that would not be very good. With I can't even use my right hand to, to hold, you know, as a, as a weak hand. It is a very weak hand right now. The good news is I'm going to get my cast off on the 26th. So um, only two weeks this time in the cast. I'm very happy with that. Uh, Let's see then. uh, Magic Bus. This is today, okay? Uh, If you're not going to go to the game tonight, then you should go to the uh, Magic Bus Band 60s party at the Ukrainian Culture Center in Warren. And that is, uh, they got a cash bar, food available for purchase, and a ton of 60s rock music. So that should be fun. Okay, Uh, let's see. Uh, And I want to talk about different guns and different things. Um, I do have uh, an interesting story to tell. And I've mentioned this before. Guys, if you're the gun person in the family, make sure that you have uh, planned for the succession of your guns. Okay, this is like planning for retirement. This is like planning for... um, for funeral expenses, all that kind of stuff. The point is, is that this happens also often when um, the the husband, who has been the hunter and the gun guy and stuff like that over his entire life, he um, he ends up uh, passing. First of all, maybe he gets. Uh, you know, into a nursing home or he has Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that, and then he passes and the wife is left with the guns, okay, not knowing what to do. Now, I know that's not true of my listeners because many of them, the wives shoot too, okay, and they're kind of probably going, all right, all these are mine now, okay, but the thing is is that um, some, some women are not into the guns. That's okay. My wife isn't. And that's why my kids and my, my son and son-in-law and all the grandkids all know what I want to do with the guns. Okay. But, uh, I got a, 
uh, I was talking to a woman, and uh, actually Theron put her in touch with me, and uh, she has a number of guns and ammunition, and she doesn't know what to do with them. And so, uh, actually, I spent some time this week. Um, she had sent pictures of the firearms, sent a list of the firearms, and uh, some of them are, are actually quite uh, probably quite valuable, okay? I can't tell from the pictures the condition, but um, some of them are, uh, they're, they're a lot of run-of-the-mill kind of stuff. The, fu the pistols are uh, nothing to speak, nothing remarkable, okay? They are just decent guns. Uh, uh, gosh, a Taurus PT-45 and a, um, and a Kel-Tec PA3, P380, which is 3AT, which is like a LCR or LCP. And then uh, in the, the long guns, she has, you know, some things like, um, oh, a BB gun, some pellet guns, um, the uh, 222s, uh, one of them being a 1022, um, and an old Remington. And then um, a shotgun. Uh, maybe he was a hunter because it was a shotgun that has a uh, rifled uh, slug barrel with it, as well as a field barrel. But there are two guns that are that uh, are probably are more valuable. One of them was a Wyndham Wyndham Weaponry CF15, which is a composite. Um, uh, it, matter of fact, they took over, Wyndham took over Bushmaster, if you recall, several years ago after Sandy Hook when, when uh, Bushmaster decided not to sell those and got out of the business. Uh, and Wyndham Weaponry took them over, made some really nice rifles, too. Uh, they did ARs with wood furniture on them and stuff. They were gorgeous, okay? And they did have a composite uh, uh, model, okay? And uh, that was kind of interesting. And, but uh, of interest, on the exact day I was working on them, I got an email from um, in the industry kind of stuff where as of uh, 7 o'clock on, on uh, Tuesday, July 12th, uh, Wyndham Weaponry was closing its doors. Now, I don't know if that's going to make it more valuable or less valuable, uh, but, you know, it's probably worth something. Uh, it, it's a decent quality, and it's being composite. It is kind of collector, collectionable. Um, and then also she had a grand, uh, or he had a grand, the husband did, um, uh, 1942 Springfield. And I thought, oh, well, that one, and those actually can be worth, you know, depending on condition, um, a couple thousand dollars. So, so at any rate, that it's it's a collection that's nothing remarkable, but it's got some nice guns in it, and then um, and and then some junk guns too, uh, and then it's got uh, let's see what else. Then she, afterwards, I sent her that list, and then uh, she sent back that a list of uh, ammo that he had. And I want to say that was I asked her now. We're still kind of going back and forth. I don't know if she's listening, uh, but she she contacted Theron, so she either listens to his show or knows him personally. But at any rate, I was able to um, go through all that stuff for her, and then also she had a list of ammunition. Okay, and I want to say a decent amount of ammunition, but it depends. I told her there's a big difference 
between, um, you know, like if you've got, uh, I'll, I'll use nine millimeters. She didn't have one, so I talked about uh, 45s in the email to her. But let's say you're buying, um, or you've got, you know, a thousand rounds of nine millimeter. Okay, well that sounds like a lot. Okay, but the but from a value standpoint, it depends on what the ammo is. You all know this. A box of target ammo or range ammo maybe costs like you can buy fifty nine millimeters for like ten ninety nine now. Okay, but if you're buying self-defense rounds if they're in little boxes of of like 25 or 20 or 25 those the jacketed hollow points the modern ones with with uh the best of uh, the best new projectiles in them and stuff they can cost 35 40 bucks for 20 okay so what you need to do is uh segregate that out a little bit and say oh okay well i've got um yeah i've got a thousand rounds of nine but, um, you know, 700 of it are target ammunition and 300 of it are uh, self-defense. That helps me figure out the, the values of it. So at any rate, uh, I'm waiting for her to get back with me on that. But at least we got her in the right direction. Because, you know, what can happen is, like, you could, you, I want to say, and not that this would necessarily happen to, the stores around here, but I have heard of when people go in and they go, oh, my husband's got all these guns. He passed away last year, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with them. And um, so what happens is that they go to a gun store, and the, the guns, they'll go, oh, oh well, you got 10 rifles here. Uh, but there's a big difference. You know, you might go, oh, they're worth maybe, oh, $150 a piece. Oh, well, that's really good. Okay. But out of this group, one of them, that Wyndham Weaponry, is worth probably six to seven hundred dollars, and the Garand is worth uh, fifteen hundred to twenty-five hundred dollars, depending on condition and it's uh, how how um, original it is. You know what I mean? If if he uh, sanded it down and re uh, you know and urethaned it or something like that and sanded all the cartouches off of the off of the stock and stuff like that, then it's not worth near as much as if it's in original condition. Even if it's got wear on the finish and uh, and it's a little bit um, nicked up and stuff in the the um, stock, what's important is the cartouches and proof marks and things like that. That's what collectors are looking for. So, at any rate, uh, you can so you can have. Uh, 10 guns that are just old guns and not worth very much, or you can have 10 guns that uh, eight of them are just old guns and two of them are, are diamonds in the rough. So at any rate, that's why you always want to uh, uh, seek out some some help to be able to do it. I do this a lot for people. I'm doing it for um, a friend at the barbershop right now on his. So uh, there's there's just a lot. And, you know, it's kind of fun. Um, it That's the fun of collecting, okay? Uh, when I, like, I've got a uh, an M1 carbine that is from 1943. Yeah, March of 1943. And it's got... It, it has no import marks and stuff like that. I mean, it was like a bring back or something that was bought a long time ago. So I want to say uh, that can be really unique. And you look to see what barrel band does it have? 
does what rear sight does it have? It does it have the has it been to an arsenal to be refit with? And you know, originally, um, M1 carbines had a button for the magazine release, and it had a push through or a button for a safety. But then they changed that because what happened was. You had two buttons and about an inch apart, okay? And what would happen is somebody would go to, in, in the heat of battle, somebody would go to uh, take the safety off and they'd hit the magazine release button and they'd drop the magazine on the ground. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Pick that up. Get that back in there. So they changed the design. That's little things that, that are interesting you can figure out. Um, most of the ones that are World War II vintage like that have been through a re-arsenaling, and they have the the uh, you know lever that you turn instead of the push button. But it was built originally with a push button. So if you've got one with a push button um, safety on it, then oh man, that could be worth several hundred dollars more than the than one that's been converted. So kind of interesting. That's the fun part. Uh, and I want to say the first gun that I ever got into that level of detail was the M1 carbine because um, I had got it, um, uh, got it from a friend. And uh, hopefully he's going to call in today. I think uh, you guys all know him as John from Danville. And he um, he was in in studio with me a couple of weeks ago. And I was talking to him last night and said, come call in, John, because he's got a lot of stuff he's been working on. I thought it would be fun to talk about. Um, let's see. I had an I had another call and I thought I'm going to throw this out to everybody, too. Everybody knows what a 1911 is. OK. There are, and I have a couple of them, and I have an original 1911 from 1918. I mean a 1911, not an A1, but a 1911, okay, from serial numbers or date in like September of 1918, okay? So you know what a 1911 is, and over the years they've changed and stuff. Well, in the last... Oh, 20 years or so, people have been going nuts. Now everybody makes 1911s, okay? Uh, I just saw uh, Savage just came out with a 1911, uh, believe it or not. And and so there's Colt makes them, um, Kimber makes them, Sig Sauer makes them, uh, you know, Ruger makes them, all sorts of companies make them. Many of them, though, are more like, modern guns where they've got uh, modifications to them that they're still an outstanding gun, but they're not to the original look or feel, okay? And and, and that's, they're, they're much more user-friendly. They got uh, a big beaver tail to protect your finger from, or your, the web of your hand from getting that stork bite that you get when, if you, in, on the original ones where if you push it up in your hand, the skin of your hand kind of bulges around the, the beaver tail. When the hammer comes back, when you fire, it pinches you, okay? Uh, so they made a thing, if you look at the back of a modern 1911, it's got a big, long beaver tail, which is the curved thing on the back of the grip to help protect your hand, okay? But that's not how they were originally designed. So I got a, a message from listener Richard, and he goes, Hey, Dick, I'm looking for a 1911 replica. 
I've decided on the Springfield Armory mill spec. Do you have any advice? Well, yes, uh, and it's Rick. He, it's it's like me. I'm Richard, but I go by Dick. Well, he signed it Rick, so he goes by Rick. And I want to say Springfield Armory and some others have come out with original 1911s for people who are kind of like purists that want to have one that was like the guys used to carry in World War II. Now, during World War II and after, those guns went through upgrades and things like that, too. Um, but there are some out there that are, that are uh, original 1911A1 designs, okay? And so uh, I personally think that he's, pro he's hit on the right choice anyway. The Springfield Armory 1911 Mil-Spec 45. It looks like a plain Jane 45 with a checkered grip, with small sights, with small hammer, with a re, an original style beaver tail, and a parkerized finished. I mean, it's beautiful. Okay, uh, it and I I was looking at stories about it, um, and I was reading one where actually uh, just recently, I guess it was a, a year ago or so, Masada Yub did a, t a test on one. And he was out firing them and stuff. And they have nothing but great things to say about this firearm, okay? It's got, and they followed true to form exactly what the 1911A1 looked like. It has, um, it, I, I want to say it's got the small original sights, the small hammer, not skeletonized, original trigger length and pull. Um, it has an enlarged ejector, which is ejector slot, which is um, one of the things they did in the 1911A1 versus the 1911. I mean, it's just a beautiful gun. Oh, it's it's like 800 bucks or so. Let me see. Uh, maybe more right now. I, I'm not sure. This, this may have been original pricing. But uh, I'm looking at it. Let's see, 640 was the MSRP when they came out. I don't know if it still is or not. I do know that it that would be my choice for a um, for a very good functional 1911 A1 replica. So, Rick, you thought of the right one. Now, in addition to that, you know what I think I would pick up. I, and I've seen these at RK Guns, which is Rural King up at uh, Heartland, and I've gosh, they were in all the magazines over the last six months because they were introduced this year. It's made by Tesis. Uh, it's a Turkish company, T-I-S-A-S. -S. It's a Tesis 1911, okay? And the thing about it is that it, um, it is unbelievably cheap, okay? It, it, it follows the exact pattern it is a gorgeous gun. It fires wonderfully, and it is three ninety nine. I was reading a story. I mean, what I would do, Rick, is I'd buy the the Springfield Armory uh, mill spec one, and I'd turn around and buy a Tesis also, because then you got a knockaround gun too. I, so I want to say, uh, I think you should. You have my permission to get two nineteen elevens instead of one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, now, I did some research and found some other ones out there, too. Uh, and I want to say, uh, now, Ruger makes one, but it's got modern details on it. So if you want one that is a, um, 
a, a real A1 elect, uh, replica, you need to go with the Springfield Armory. But there's a couple others. Let me see if I can find it here. I've got it. There was a story about six of them recently. And um, what they did is, that, and obviously the, the best one they picked was the Springfield Armory 1911 mil spec. But they also mentioned some others. I was not aware that Dan Wesson made one. Okay. Dan Wesson made a, uh, a model called an A2 that is very close, except it's got different sights on it. So it looks perfect except for the sights. It's got more like Novak sights on it. And uh, arm score, rock arm, uh, we'll talk about this more when we get back. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM. We'll be back in a few minutes. Wham! Talk 1600. Welcome back to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. Call now, 734-822-1600 to join in the conversation. And we're back. And uh, we were talking about 1911s. And uh, everybody knows, you know, 45 automatic. Man, my grandpa used to talk about them all the time. And uh, not that he ever had one or shot one, but he used to always, he'd always talk about, man, that thing shoots around as big as your thumb and blah, blah, blah. And I, I gosh, I was enamored with him as a kid. Of course, I watched things like um, Combat and Rat Patrol and um, uh, 12 O'Clock High and all the, and I, every war movie ever made. So, of course, I knew what a 45 automatic was, okay? But, but again, you can get, nowadays, you can get, outstanding ones that are all tricked up, okay? They've got, like, I have one. I have one called a SIG GSR that is um, so different from the originals. It's it's unbelievable, okay? It's even got, it's got a actual uh, typical extractor, spring-loaded extractor that's external. Uh, it's got skeletonized triggers and hammers. It's got a huge beaver tail. It's got Novak night sights on it. It's got, I mean, it's just really nice. It's match barrel and all that kind of stuff, okay? Um, but it's not, and, and by the way, it shoots great. I've, I've actually carried it in here before. Um, I would, maybe I'll have to do, well, not until I get my cast off. <laughs> no sense having a gun that I can't shoot with, uh, with my cast on. But, um, uh, I want to say, so the, the, you can get one that's all tricked up, but they cost anywhere from fourteen, twelve, fourteen hundred $1,400 to $5,000. Okay. But if you want a real, 1911, like a like a one that mimics what they used to use during wartime. Then you go with like a Springfield mil spec, um, or or a Tesis or something like that, or both. I think you should buy both. That's what you should do. But I'm looking to see these other brands that make them, and some of them are, some of them are very, um, are very true to the 1911A1, and others are a blend. Okay, like for example. The um, Dan Wesson A2, it's got different sights on it, and it's got a big beaver tail on it. Uh, the and it lists for thirteen hundred and sixty-three dollars, so fourteen hundred dollars. Um, one made by or imported by Armscore and Rock Island Armory. That's not the same Rock Island Armory that was made that that you know was the old days, like the real military one. It was. Uh, it's one that 
that they call that, but they're mo- mostly an importer. I'm not sure who makes makes the one that they've got, but it it actually the grips are are um, smooth hardwood. It's got a big beaver tail. Not not exact, but it's got the right sights on it and the right trigger on it and hammer. But it also doesn't have. It's got a straight mainspring housing, which is like the original 1911. Not the A1, so it's kind of interesting. You 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 got to research these things, and so Rick was doing the right thing by researching them. And that one's only five hundred and thirty bucks. That's pretty reasonable. And now let's see, Inland Manufacturing is still manufacturing them, and they sell um, one that is pretty much a, uh, an absolute replica as well, except. And by the way, this is this is true. To, it doesn't have the diamond pattern grips on it. It's got just checkered ones. That's what my, my 1911 has. Ed from Ypsilanti on 1911s. Hi, Ed. How are you? Hey, Dick. I think I may have told you before that I bought a Tysis or Tesis or whatever it is, 1911, and uh, I bought it 9mm. And I bought it for a friend of mine who went in the Marines. So it was a, uh, you know, I don't currently have it right now, but I got to tell you, that was a sweet shooting gun. And, and, it was nice. I'm going to buy another one for myself. I hope my wife's not listening right now. But <laughs> Go ahead. It was sweet just to have a 1911 to take it apart and put it back together and get familiar with taking it apart and putting it back together. I'd, I'd never done that with a 1911 before. I, I encourage people, I mean, they're 360 now you can get them for? Yeah, it's amazing. And and it's, uh, and it's by the way, it's made in Turkey by a very reputable company. So, uh, oh, it's and, finally made. Yeah. It's, it's, one problem was the, the rear sight I had to drift over. It, it was shooting to the left. Okay. That was the only problem I had with it. Well, it wasn't a problem at all, but, uh, you know, with fixing it, it just... Yeah tap it over um yeah you make i make it sound so easy by the way <laughs> well or you can use a tool to to, to drive I bought the over. wrong tool i had to borrow a friend of mine's tool <laughs> yeah i bought a cheap one on amazon yeah. then i borrowed his yeah. did it right yeah the other thing is is that there are things that are like there's things called bushingless barrels and original bushing barrels that's what's kind of neat about original 1911 is you you really have to know it's kind of like one of those boxes where you have to push something correctly to take it apart like you have to be able to you move the slide back a little bit you turn a little button on the end a little button on the end you you uh turn it one way and it's able to uh um release the spring and i mean it's just so cool you know what i mean oh Uh, yeah i do know yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and i think that where'd you get the thesis and you got a nine millimeter now that's not the original caliber but but it is very popular right now we were at um, T-Rex Arms. I was shooting with this friend of mine. He's a young man. He's like a nephew to me. And like I said, he went into the Marines, and he was too young to purchase himself. And uh, oddly enough, he could go get one in the, he's in the military police in the Marines in Okinawa now. But he can't buy a pistol in Michigan. Yeah. Amazing. So anyways, I bought it for him. They had it... Uh, they had uh, taken it for somebody else, and that guy didn't pick it up. Was sitting there, and you know, uh, I how, got it for him because he he wanted it in nine millimeter. And how how much was it? Three sixty. Three sixty, I think. And oh I've seen man, them other places for about that. What so, a what a deal that is. So. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. And I think that Rock Island's made in the Philippines, by the way. I think you're right, too. So, um, I, Not I, that that's wrong. No. I mean, lots of people have good manufacturing. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, if you're wanting, actually, if you're wanting one made in the United States, then you go with a Colt or you go with a Springfield Armory one. But uh, if you don't really care where it was made, then there are other options as well. That's like, well, you know that, that go, A1 you were talking about? Yeah. That sounds cool for historical purposes, but I could imagine if there's a reason they made an A2. That's that's number one. <laughs> there's a reason they made an A2, and that's because of the deficiencies of the A1. Well, you know, <laughs> people always talk. That's what uh, John Browning, who designed the, the 1911, they always say that the Browning high power was actually what should have been, what the 1911 should have been, that he corrected all the deficiencies in it. So. Yeah, but- then again, that was in nine mil, and everybody likes to talk about stopping power of forty fives versus you know nine mil, and you know the, oh you can shoot a forty five in the Philippines and take out one of those Maoris or whoever they were. Yeah. they were the you know, uprisings and all that, blow them backwards, and you know, and then nineteen uh, rather a nine millimeter doesn't have that kind of power, and yet Browning built the. High power in nine millimeter. Well, and actually, back then it had to also do with the projectiles, okay? Because the 1911 in 45 had a big, fat, heavy projectile. Even though it was a full metal jacket one, it still had a lot of thumping power, okay? The nine millimeter made small holes through the people because they were a full metal jacket too. And the 45. Faster holes. Yeah, faster holes, more hydraulic shock, but made smaller holes. The 1911 and 45 made bigger holes, okay? Uh, but nowadays, what the, the, the uh, leveling factor has been the advancement in, in projectile design. So, Oh, yeah, I yeah. got that. I was just thinking in, in when uh, the 30s when Browning started working on the high power. There's another yep. guy that finished the high power, I think, that worked for him. But yep. anyways, I just... Hey. Uh, yeah, well, I just wanted to uh, thank you, and I'm I glad if really anybody else has got a. I just want to tell you that if anybody else has had experience with a Tesis or a, um, or a uh, Rock Island or Dan Wesson or any of those, I'd like to hear from you so uh, that right, we can ya. give Rick the right thing. Thanks, Ed. Have a good show today. Uh, let's see, we have got Jeff from Ypsilanti on 1911s. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Not bad, Dick. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. What What's uh, your comment today? Um, uh, years ago, I used to own a Colt Mark IV Series 80 Combat Elite, the M1911A1. And yeah. I guess I just wanted to get your opinion on the accuracy of them because it just seems to me that a 45 is a 45, and no matter how much you trick it out, it's just the accuracy is pretty much going to be the same across the board. That's just my opinion now. I was just wondering what you thought about it. Well, I want to say... Um couple of things when you had now if you had a combat elite it probably was a tighter gun than than what what i'm talking about with these old a1s from world war ii okay people used to be able to talk about how you could tell a military 1911 because you could pick it up and shake it and it would rattle okay right because and they did that on purpose just like with an ak-47 so that you can get some dirt and sand and crap in it and it'll still fun- function right what has made uh, 1911's more accurate is the tightening of the tolerances and the tightening of the of the uh, barrel design itself with a match barrel. Uh, sometimes people think that the the um, bushing is actually better than the bushingless design. 
Um, I I want to say most 1911s, maybe not the maybe not some of the ones that have been drugged through the swamps in World War II, but most 1911s these days, and same thing with your Series 80. That was a modern gun, right? Um, yeah, but still pretty old. I mean, we're talking probably 20 years ago. Oh, I know. But even even I had a um, a Mark Mark Seven Mark Four. I don't know. My Series 70 back in the in the late 70s, okay? Maybe early 80s. So that was that was 40 years ago. That sounds like a long time ago, but that's still a modern gun compared to the military versions. And I want to say most of these guns these days, if you put them in a ransom rest, you know what that is? No, sir, I do. Uh, a ransom rest is a um a device that sits on the bench at the at the target range and holds the firearm absolutely still. And then it has a little lever that pushes the triggers that you pull with a with with either a lever or with a a rope or something like that. And so most of the guns, even a 45 will be more accurate than the shooter can be, okay? And uh so I want to say the modern ones, your your S, your Series 80 included, would be more accurate than the old 1911A1s from World War II. But uh, but all of them now. But that's the other thing is that all the modern sights that are out there now, heck, they make them with the. Uh, with red dots on them now and stuff like that, the the, the sighting the you know the the night sights the big red or the, the red dots but also the big um, like oh high vis dots and stuff those all go to make make the guns more accurate. Do you still have that elite? No, I lost it in some unfortunate circumstances. So, oh, but okay. <laughs> now I understand that. Um, uh, and you know, always isn't that one of those woulda, shoulda, couldas that you wish you still had it? Yes, I mean it was a nice gun and it was a pretty gun, but I just didn't. Just to me, it wasn't really worth the extra money. I mean, as far as how much accuracy I gained in it. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, and same thing with these uh, super accurate, like Ed Browns and and stuff models that are out there now that cost three thousand, four thousand bucks. It's like. Uh, how accurate do you need to be with a forty-five? You know, <laughs> right? Well, it just depends on how obsessed you are with with uh, competition shooting. That's true. Um, well, and me, even that's not worth it. But even competition shooting, there's a difference between shooting paper targets to be perfect and also shooting uh, uh, steel or um, silhouettes. You know what I mean? Those are pretty big. Right. Uh, 10 rings. So at any rate, well, hey, thanks for the call, Jeff. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Okay. See you, buddy. You have a good day. You too. Uh, so let's see. We've got the uh, Colt, the S70. They still make that with the 70 series. Now that's got some differences in it in that it, it may look like a normal 1911A1, but it's got differences in the way it's got like a, a firing pin block and stuff like that They where they were trying to make the guns safer. The Series 70s and Series 80s were, were different than the original design. So anyway, uh, I so my advice to Rick is go out and buy two, okay? <laughs> buy, buy that Springfield Armory mil spec and uh, then... Uh, use that for when you make really nice trips to the range and stuff like that, and then get yourself a Tisa's for 360 or 380 bucks or whatever they are now on sale, actually. Sometimes you can find them 
uh, you know, very cheap. Um, and then keep that one in your truck. <laughs> okay. Well, unless you live in Illinois. Okay. Let's see. Then I got a, I also got a, a message from a listener, Terry, and she was talking about, we are going to, uh, let's see, we're going out to shoot our new CZ 22 today. So that's good. Okay. And then they said, uh, looking to get a reasonably priced sport, uh, spotting scope. Okay. Any suggestions? And I want to say some of these I've had for about uh, several weeks. And the issue is, is that um, over the last few weeks, I've been, I can hardly type. I'm, I've got, I have a cast on my right hand now that uh, at least when they had it bandaged, I still had the tips of my fingers <laughs> and my thumb could squeeze things together. Now, not, not at all anymore. So my hand is just a uh, block. Okay. I go. That's that's the cast touching the microphone there, so but so I'm not typing very much right now. I will type more in the future, and and follow up with some of these. But I want to say I was looking at um, uh, different scopes, okay, spotting scopes. Now you've heard me before say um, do not buy a Barska scope, okay. Now maybe that was true ten years ago. I don't know if they're any better now, okay. Uh, let me check. I was just looking. They've got a Barska WP Gladiator, and I'm checking the price at Amazon. Let's see. That is uh, $346. So maybe they actually moved up into a, uh, a higher range, decent, um, but I, I wouldn't trust it, okay? I mean, I just do not like Barska stuff because of what I—I uh, I actually have a Barska— Spotting scope. This is from years ago. That was because I, uh, my, my father said, "What are you looking for for Christmas?" And I said, "Oh, I'd like to get a spotting scope." So he got a Barska spotting scope for me. It's like sixty nine dollars, and like I said, it, it it's actually like uh, you might as well hold up a Coke bottle and look through the bottom of the Coke bottle. That's that's how accurate. <laughs> It's really bad, okay? Well, I got to tell you, there are some good ones out there, but spotting scopes are like 1911s, okay? You can get a spotting scope that is decent for $129 or $160, okay? That would be a, a good scope for um, rimfire, okay? And that CZ, like uh, listener Terry mentioned, um you know, if you're shooting at 50 yards, 25 yards, 50 yards, maybe even 100 yards, it'd be okay, okay? Uh, if you're out there reaching out trying to spot something at 200, 300, 600 yards, then you got to spend a little more money on it, okay? Um, there are different levels of them. I want to say um, Vortex makes good optics. And uh, Vortex has some that are like 800 bucks. That's not what I consider to be a reasonable price for an average shooter, okay? Now, if you are going to be, if you're the kind of guy that, that shoots at 500 yards and you go on big game hunts to Africa, then you don't mind spending 800 bucks or $3,000. I mean, a, a Swarovski um, spotting scope is $3,000, okay? Who can afford that? I can't afford that. Um, so uh, I want to say they make um, 
they make some decent ones in the $600 to $800 range, okay? But also, you can find some decent ones. Uh, let's see, uh, Bushnell Trophy Extreme, okay? Let me see if I can find that. Uh, Bushnell Trophy Extreme, that is $219. I trust Bushnell, okay? And if it, especially if it's a um, a Bushnell produced pro product, not a not a Chinese Bushnell, okay. But uh, I I like some of the Bushnell um, binoculars. I like some of the Bushnell spotting scopes. Two hundred nineteen bucks. That's a bargain, okay. That would be one that I would get. The Bushnell Trophy Extreme. Um, let's, there's a brand called Gosky. Now, whenever I see a name like that, I think, okay, cheap Chinese, uh, but there's a lot of good reviews on them. So maybe it, it's just like um, there's a company that is in Livonia, and it is it was founded by a um, a former Ford engineer and his wife, who was also a former Ford engineer, and um, it's called Leapers. L-E-A-P-E-R-S dot com, okay, is the website. And they make good stuff. They, ma they make it all over the world. I want to say that's why the prices are decent, but the quality is good on it. And he's got—they uh, also have another brand that they, they um, share with that. There's Leapers and one called UTG or Under the Gun. Okay, um, and they make good stuff. So if you found a, a under the gun one, that would be okay. Bushnell's okay. Uh, the Vanguard Endeavor for three hundred and fourteen is okay. Um, let's see what else. That's the Vortex um, and the Bushnell. Let me see what else. There was one other one that I was looking. Now I'm mentioning. Here's a Swarovski ATS. And it costs, oh gosh, see all buying options. It's about twenty five hundred bucks. Okay, nope. I'm sorry, it's thirty two hundred ninety eight dollars. What a bargain, right? But you know what? Uh, you don't need that for the average range uh, spotting stuff. Sometimes when people are out on on uh, you know open range hunting, out hunting, uh, you know. Uh, big game in um, Montana or or something like that, and they're looking across from one mountain to another, across a valley and stuff, yeah, that would be worthwhile probably. But uh, again, not for the average taking it to the range type of thing. Uh, Celestron has some reasonably priced ones. Um, Celestron is, they have them in the range of I want to say four hundred to eight hundred dollars. Okay, Celestron was a telescope manufacturing company. Um, oh, let's see what the Barska goes for. Oh, I already looked that up. That's 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 got to be a, a well really great um, uh, Barska. Believe it. Now I guess that's probably why it's on the list. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else was I going to talk about today? We are. Oh gosh, we're almost at the top of the hour. Um, I was thinking about a gun 
that uh, I saw on sale. I get the emails every day from RK Guns, and you can get on their list, and they always have good prices. And what they do is they actually will, if you order it, they'll ship it into their store, and you can pick it up there at the store, okay? And they're a FFL, so you got to follow all the rules and stuff like that. you got to be a, not a prohibited person, and you got to uh, do the 4473 and everything. But they have, like, real bargains sometimes. And I saw a Kel-Tec P-17, which was a, a 22 caliber semi-automatic that has holds 17 rounds and stuff for, like, $199. And I thought, man, I wonder if anybody's got any experience with those. I always make fun of them because they look like a company that had injection molding and a company that makes uh, Allen head screws and their, or Torx head screws in there. They decided, let's build a gun because it's got a lot of external screws on it. But does anybody have a kel out there? Uh, I think they're cool guns. The PMR-30 is cool. The P-17 is cool. I know a lot of people like them, but I don't know a lot of people that own them. If you've got a kel P-17 or P-22 or PMR-30 or even the new P-50, I'd like to hear about it the next hour. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. From handguns to rifles and hunting to self-defense, even a bit of politics, it's time to exercise your First and Second Amendment rights. Call and join the conversation, 734-822-1600. And now, your host, Dick Kupke. Well, good afternoon, and welcome back to Trigger Talk. And th- this has been a first for me for months and months and months. I gotta say, uh, I have gone the whole first hour of the show with no politics. Okay, we've just talked about guns, and uh, I did mention that I have my uh, my email up, and I got a couple of emails. So I'm going to mention first of all, uh, listener Michael. Uh, Mike says. Auto Ordnance and Car Firearms Group makes a nice replica as well. And I did not realize that. Uh, so I will have to look that one up. So an Auto Ordnance Car Firearms uh, Group makes nice replicas as well. That makes sense, too, because Auto Ordnance is a, was a um, at least a military name of a manufacturer. I don't know if it has any background in that still. Uh, So that's from listener Mike. And then, uh, let's see, listener Tom actually sent me a picture, and that's really nice. This is my 1911 rig, okay? And it shows a a military belt with a couple of pouches and, uh, well, two mag pouches and another pouch. And actually, he's got a... um, a U.S. military style um, holster, and Mike, or I'm, this is Tom. Tom says this is my 1911 rig. I was issued the duty belt and first aid pouch in 1968. Okay, so he probably uh, may have even worn that. Uh, well, that was Vietnam era. I don't know if he actually uh, was there or not. But the 1911 is a uh, 
uh, and I had forgotten, Remington was making an R1911 as well. And then the holster and ammo pouch are new old stock, original military issue. And the only mod he's made to the 1911 was adding uh, G10 grips. So, and by the way, there are better grips that you can add, uh, like like uh, listener Tom did here. It just kind of depends on uh, how accurate you want to be to to the original issue kind of stuff. So thank you both uh, Tom and Mike for sending in emails. And this does work. I got to say, I think Theron does that too. Doesn't t- uh, does Theron do that? Does he take emails and stuff like Facebook stuff? Right. Yeah, he reads Facebook messages during his program. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't do my Facebook. I don't. I have a personal Facebook page, but I don't have anything for the show. So, so I just. Uh, I'm going to do this with the email. Dick at triggertalkradio.com. Feel free to send something to me. So uh, let's see. I was reading, and speaking of more, you know, I mentioned I threw out the challenge about Caltech. Uh, and Caltech in general uh, is a value-priced um, company. Caltech, I, I want to say they just came out with that um, P50, which uses the same mags as the uh, as the uh, PSP that uh, shoots the 5.7 by 28. What a cool gun! They're they're kind of innovative, okay? And they've got um, they have pistol caliber carbines. They have semi-automatics. Um, they, it's just interesting. They're not the most attractive guns. Okay. Um, and of course you shouldn't buy a gun because it looks cool or, you know, but, uh, these are not the most attractive, but if they shoot, well, that's what counts. Okay. On the other hand, there are reasons. Well, actually, I do have that, uh, and I still have that story. I didn't finish it last week, talking about the Nagant 1895. That is not only not the most attractive, that is the ugliest gun in the world. And the only reason I got it, well, it's kind of neat. It does shoot well. (coughs) It takes two fingers to pull the trigger. (laughs) The trigger pull is unbelievably hard. I've got to say... And and uh, I was talking with John from Danville yesterday, actually, and he was um, uh, he's changing some triggers and some rifles, and he finally he bought a um, a trigger pull gauge, a digital trigger pull gauge, and he you know these triggers in these rifles that he's and and he, if he calls in we'll talk about it, but he's got them set so light they must be just absolutely wonderful you know, like 1.4 ounces or something like, it's like, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Um, uh, actually, uh, yeah. 0.8 ounces, something like, I mean, unbelievably low. Okay. I got to say, um, the trigger pull in, in the, uh, Nagant 1895 has to be measured in pounds. Okay. Or maybe tons. Okay. Metric tons. It's unbelievable. I have to, you held it in both hands like you normally do, but you actually have to put both of your trigger fingers through the trigger to pull it reasonably. (laughs) And that's, that's been taken apart and cleaned and lubed. Maybe I could do a little bit of a trigger job on it. I'll have to see. Uh, now the, so anybody with a Caltech, give me a call and let's talk. Uh, there's another gun that I found interesting, and this is true of people ask me, you know, 
I'm older. I'm I'm having difficulty racking a slide. What should I get? Should I get a revolver? Should I? Well, you know, some of the companies have been uh, responding to that. Smith and Wesson has its um, Shield EZs. Okay, and what it is is they've they've designed the mechanism so that racking the slide uh, is about fifty percent less in terms of um, uh, amount of pull and grip strength that it takes than than a real than a normal shield. Okay, I almost said real gun, but these are all real guns. But um, some people have a lot of problems with arthritis or oh gosh. <laughs> Here I am sitting here with a, I'm hoping my finger will be fine. It does wiggle. So, but, but I've had problems at one point with a trigger finger uh, and a nerve at one point. But uh, I'm hoping I have 100% function restored when I get done with this cast. But it could lead, you never know, to maybe some arthritis or something like that. And maybe it'll be hard to rack a slide. Or, so you got to think about this. And there are other circumstances as well. Somebody may be uh, handicapped, differently abled, okay? Maybe they've got a hand that doesn't work at all. Maybe they've got, uh, and I have a friend, uh, he may be listening from, um, from Florida. He retired from Ford as well, Pete. And um, he had, his wife had had cancer and had lost her arm. Okay, so what happened is she only had one arm. How do you rack a gun when there's only one arm? So what I had done is I, and we were talking about different options, and I had lent him a uh, Beretta 925, I think it's a model. It's a tilt barrel. Now, this was not a good defensive gun because it was in, it's in 22 short. Okay, it's a nice gun, and it actually, compared to 22s, it still has pretty good uh, penetration and and stuff like that, but it um, it's not really a good defensive gun. But the, I we wanted her, his wife to try the slide and uh, and or the the tilt barrel function, and uh, it worked great. So he ordered. I think he ordered either a twenty five or a thirty two. I don't know, Pete. If you're listening, you can give a call in. Um, the and and. That worked for her. She was able to have a firearm. And if you don't know what a tilt barrel is, what it is is you put a magazine in the in the grip, and it's fully loaded. So you've got, in this case, now there's a gun that I'm talking about called the Gerson, G-I-R-S-A-N, MC-14T tip-up or tilt, okay? And the thing is, they call it a tip-up. They've trademarked that. But it <clears throat> a tilt barrel is where, <coughs> pardon me, you you put the fully loaded mag in the grip, but instead of racking the slide, there's a lever on the left side of the gun, and you, you pull that lever, and the barrel is hinged at the front, and it tips up. It's spring-loaded. It actually pops up, and you put in the round, and then you close the barrel. Simple as that. So now the gun is not only fully loaded, but it's also charged because it's ready to shoot. Now, the gun is double action, single action, as I recall. But the thing is, is that um, uh, 
it is very good as an option. And now this one is in 380, not 32, not 25, not 22 or 22 short. It is in 380. So it is a legitimate self-defense firearm for somebody who cannot rack a slide and somebody who is concerned about, you know, being able to uh, get their firearm, load it, and and be able to use it without the use of a second hand. So I think it's pretty cool. It's actually 380. It's got a, a four and a half inch barrel, so it's pretty much a full sized gun. Kind of, they look like Berettas. Okay, and if you if you get a chance, look it up. It's a Gerson G I R S A N M C 14T. It's been in all the magazines, the shooting times, the guns and ammo, the I think American Rifleman had a story on it. The point is is that it's it's a hot number right now. And it's got an MSRP of 498 being that it's a Turkish made firearm, okay? Anyway, um I think that's a good a good alternative to somebody who has difficulty racking a slide. If you can't even rack a, a shield EZ, then consider a tilt barrel. Okay. Now here we are um, into three. Uh, let's see, a quarter of the way into the second hour, and I'm going to talk about my first cover, uh, first political story today. Um, by the way. Um, if you didn't notice, there, there, last week we talked about a Mexico, New Mexico governor who issued an uh, a, uh, emergency order, a uh, public health emergency, because they had three children shot. And uh, so that, that dictated that she, she called it a public safety emergency, and she banned all concealed carry and all... Um, open carry as well, in uh, Albuquerque and in Bernalillo, Bernalillo County, okay? Well, we all said, this isn't going to stand. And immediately they, you know, because she just, this is like Joe Biden with his executive orders. Okay, What did he say? Ban all guns, okay? I can't do, do it as good. I was listening to... Uh, Oh, gosh, the Ben Shapiro show yesterday. And, uh, boy, he does an excellent Biden mumble. But um, the thing is, is this woman, she just decided that she was going to do it. Her name was Michelle Lujan Grisham. Okay. Uh, and she isn't. And so what happened is all sorts of injunction or all sorts of lawsuits got filed. And, uh, uh, by the way, there were a lot of Dems, even. Uh, praying mantis boy David Hogg was out there saying that uh, you can't do that. You, you cannot declare, you cannot declare a safety emergency, and it overrides the Constitution. Now, if a Democratic anti-gun idiot is out there saying that, then you know it must be true, okay? Because he he would do anything he could to ban guns. But uh, all these lawsuits were filed. Well, a judge. Uh, put a temporary restraining order on it, and it was actually a Biden-appointed judge uh, even said it. So even a judge, uh, and uh, now technically a judge should be fair, right? But if they're Biden-appointed judges, maybe not. Just like um, 
the guy that's prosecuting or the woman that's prosecuting uh, Trump and the ones that are prosecuting the uh, the uh, January 6th um, insurrectionists, they're, they're all a little bit on the bias side, okay? But this one actually put a temporary restraining order on the New Mexico governor. So what she did is uh, she said, despite her order suspending the right to carry being put on ice by a federal judge, at a press conference on Friday morning, the governor said she was not calling a special session, but instead announced a revised order banning concealed carry in public parks and playgrounds while removing the blanket prohi prohibition on open and concealed carry throughout the city. Oh, well... Good of her to do that. Actually, she was forced to do that by a judge, okay? We have amended the public places component of the gun violence aspect of the public health order. That is amended to focus now no open or concealed carry in public parks or playgrounds we, uh, where we know there's a high risk of kids and families, okay? Which is, by the way... One of the reasons you might want to have concealed carry there so people can defend their families, okay? Grisham announced, I want to remind everyone that we don't allow guns in public government spaces. We don't allow guns in here, which was the building where she was having the uh, uh, press conference. We don't allow guns in the federal courthouse. We don't allow guns in the roundhouse, whatever that is. And so we believe that is a strong position given the law. Okay. Of course, those places that Grisham referenced have uniformed law enforcement, metal detectors, and other security precautions that aren't going to be present at every park and playground in Bernalillo County. Those aren't sensitive places in practice, even if the governor wants to deem them as such in theory. The outrageous fact is that Michelle Lujan Grisham wants every parent to leave their firearm behind defenseless to protect their own kids at a time when she herself says violent crime is out of control. Grisham even admitted that criminals won't be complying with the order. So she is essentially instructing moms and dads to become high-value targets for thieves, robbers, and predators every time they want to enjoy an hour or so at a playground with their kids. It, it just is unbelievable, the... the mindset that these anti-gunners have. <clears throat> so I was reading an interesting story this week. This uh, just came out yesterday. Where was this? This was in uh, Phoenix, okay? Um, a 13-year-old boy, okay, you'll like this, well done. A 13-year-old takes mom's gun after she freezes and shoots a would-be home invader. A 13-year-old boy in Phoenix saw his mother freeze as a meth-addled attacker invaded their home. Fearing for the safety of his mother and his four siblings, he took the gun from his mom's hands and shot the intruder multiple times. The rounds caused the intruder to reconsider his attack and flee to the front yard, where police found him shortly thereafter, leaking all over the lawn. Good job, 13-year-old. Now, let's hope they don't go, oh, well, this minor shouldn't have touched a gun. Well, the mother froze. She was, you know, that's one of the things about having a gun. They, you know, the anti-gunners will tell you, oh, if you're in a home 
where if you have a gun in your home, you're more likely to have it used against you than uh, than if you don't have one in the home. Well, that would be true of anything, okay? Uh, if you have a have a knife in the home, you're more likely to cut yourself with a knife or to have a knife used as you get against a weapon. If you have a, um, well, let's see, if you have a, what, what else would be, if you have a baseball bat, you're more likely to be, be hit by baseball bat uh, violence, okay? If you have a bow and arrow, you're more likely to be shot by bow and arrow violence, okay? Well, of course, because if it's not there, it can't happen. Okay, but in this case, remember that if you are going to have a firearm in your home and you are planning on using it for self-defense, the time when you actually need to use it is not the time for you to be sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, can I pull the trigger? Can I take a human life? Can I, can I, you know, oh, my gosh, yes or no, yes or no. Boom. At the same time, the guy's coming after you, okay? So if you are going to have a firearm in your home, you have to make that decision ahead of time. That's what we tell people at the concealed carry classes and stuff. You have to make that decision that you are going to be able to use that firearm. In this case, this woman froze, and I can bet you that the meth head would have probably disarmed her, okay, and then done whatever he had planned. Who knows what that was, okay? But uh, if you are going to have a firearm, you damn well be better be sure. Derek, can I say damn? I could say damn. You damn well better make sure that you are going to be able to use it. Okay, and not be sitting there in a quandary while the guy's rushing you and breaking in your home. So at any rate, this kid, uh, 13-year-old kid, let's see, uh, what else is good in this story to tell? The, the point is, is that uh, given what happened, the 13-year-old deserves a huge um, thank you for seizing the initiative and defending his family from a violent crime. Hopefully he'll recover fully from the incident. Let's hope mom has a backup gun or two as the police no doubt took hers as evidence. Uh, that, well, that is true too. Okay. Um, if you, if you have a gun, uh, another reason to have a Tesis 1911 instead of a, a $3,000 Ed Brown, okay, is that uh, if you use that $3,000 Ed Brown uh, 1911 to stop an intruder, it's going to go back to the police department as evidence, okay? So maybe you should use your uh, $380 Tesis, okay? Let's see. Uh, what else is interesting to talk about today? Uh, check out Taurus's latest judge home defender. Oh, man, now they've got a uh, judge. Y'all know what a Taurus judge is? It's a judge that is chambered in both 410 and 45 Long Colt, okay? So it didn't take very long for Taurus now to come up with a home defender version, which I would think that a normal judge—actually, I shot— uh, that is one of the guns that uh, Theron had um, when I first met him. He, or actually, he wanted one really, really bad, and I and he he bought it and and he likes it. Um, it's a Taurus Judge, okay, and it is chambered in 40, uh, 45 Long Colt and four ten. They share the same diameters and can use the same barrel. 
Well, very interesting. They now, and it looks like a normal pistol, but it has like a longer cylinder in it to handle the 410 length shotgun shells. And uh, so now Taurus has come out with a home defender version that has a 13 inch barrel on it. It's got a, a fairly long forestock on it and an accessory rail on the forestock in the front for like a light or something. And it has a Picatinny rail on top for a red dot. Whoa. I mean, it's, I want to say Taurus has started making revolvers that are red dot ready. Okay, and they did it with some 357 Magnums and, and 38 Specials, and now they've done it with the Defender. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, let's see, now I was reading a story, and actually this looks kind of fun. Beretta is still making that um, tilt barrel. They make it, I don't know if they still make it in, in 22 short, uh, mine is in 22 short, and I don't, uh, that would not be my first choice. I would prefer to have one in a larger caliber. It's just kind of a fun thing to have at this point. But they are still making one called a 21A Bobcat, okay? And they made it in, uh, they call it Kale Slushy. <laughs> and it's it's green. It's like uh, olive drab green with a... Um, laminated green, like olive-colored um, uh, grip. It's really cool. And, of course, it is threaded barrel, so it is suppressor-ready. What cool thing. Now, they make they make it both in 22 long rifle and 25 ACP. Uh, also, they make it in, in 32 as a Tomcat. So there's a Bobcat in 22 and 25 and a Tomcat in... Uh, in 32. So I want to say, uh, and it, they just call it a kale slushy. I can't think of anything worse than a kale slushy. Now, as a gun, that's okay. But, and slushies are okay. But kale, that, that's the thing that Michelle Obama was always pushing. Remember? Um, I, I, Derek, would you eat a kale slushy? No. No. <laughs> okay. He's, he's listening still over there. Okay. Well, anyway, I hear the music playing. Um, we're going to, when we get back, we're going to talk about, oh, some more politics, some more guns and things like that. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM. We'll be back in a minute. Wham Talk 1600. Welcome back to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. Call now, 734-822-1600 to join in the conversation. And we're back. And uh, gosh, I was just reading a, a story. I won't go into it on the air, but it's an interesting story from uh, listener Tom who just responded. Uh, and he had sent the picture of the duty belt with the 45. So pretty interesting. And actually, Tom, I got to say, we got some things in common. I actually... Uh, uh, I was born in Japan when my uh, father was in the Navy. So uh, he was uh, stationed in Kamaseya there. And uh, my mom went over and she got married there too. Now, dad still had his clearance as I, his, but um, he was, he was a Navy CT too. So at any rate, thanks for the story, Tom. And thanks for uh, sending me an email during the two emails during the show. I appreciate it. <clears throat> um, so anyway, I was reading a story this 
actually yesterday, uh, on best first rifles, okay? And um, I want to say it's pretty uh, pretty interesting, but there seems to be a, a little bit of a bias in it towards the AR platforms. But let me let me uh, read it to you. It's pretty interesting. Uh, let's see. If you're about to enter the new world of rifles, you may be confused on where to start. That's why we've broken down the best first rifles by category. One thing to keep in mind, if you're new to owning a rifle, get what you want if you have a specific purpose in mind. You may grow into a rifle with persistence and practice, but you'll never grow out of it, okay? A good quality rifle will last a lifetime and beyond. And I agree. Um, actually, so many of my firearms are are used, um, I want to say, well, not well used necessarily, but used well and taken care of well. And some of those were ones that were, I mean, when you've got guns that were made in 1936, and stuff. Obviously, I didn't buy those. Okay, somebody in my life or somebody I knew bought them, and or or actually uh, somebody I knew later in life, and they meant something to them because they were their parents or their fathers or something, you know. And and so, but there comes a time when people are are changing their their lifestyles. Okay, let's say you've got um, a bunch of rifles. And I can remember I got several rifles from a guy one time. He was a Ford guy. And he was um, not, not this is not Tom, listener Tom because he's also a Ford guy. But um, he was retiring. He was an FCSD guy and uh, a Ford customer service division guy. And he was retiring and moving out. I think he lived in Plymouth or Northville or something like that. And he was buying a motor home, and he and his wife were just going to go out and drive around for the next 10 years or something like that. You know, a lot of people think that would be fun to do. But it can actually affect, some. besides not having a home base anymore, and maybe you visit the kids and they're in different states and you'll go to wherever you always wanted to go. But what you can't do is take a thousand pound safe full of guns with you. Okay. So he was handing down uh, and deciding to sell some guns. He asked me if I was interested in any of them. So I went over, I bought several of them and some of them are, um, some of them were, you know, older Remingtons and um, gosh, there's, I, I, ones I could kick myself for not buying, but they would have been fun to have, like a, a sporterized Springfield M1903. Now I, I turned my nose up at it because I wanted a mil, you know, a regular military one, but still, it's it would have been a fun gun to have, you know. So, uh, at any rate, so um, you, the fact is, is that unless you drastically change your lifestyle. For the most part, you'll never grow out of a gun, okay? So, uh, for example, the first thing that they're talking about here as a gun for somebody to get, now, I would say it depends on age. Um, my uh, various grandchildren have gotten bolt-action 22s and stuff like that. The point is is that you're going to get a plinker, okay? 
And if you're an adult and you're deciding what you want to get, a good first choice would be a Ruger 1022. Okay, outstanding choice. I I would also add the Marlin 60 to that. They haven't built those for a few years. If in the semi-automatic auto version, uh, you know, like um, if you want a semi-automatic 22 plinker, get a Ruger 1022 or an older Marlin uh, Model 60 or Glenfield 60. Outstanding guns. There's all sorts of other guns that I like. I like the Winchester 190 or uh, actually uh, Sears 3T, um, the um, Remington Nylon 66 and 77. All of those are good. But a 1022 would be a good one to start with as a first rifle in 22. If you're an adult, you get a full-sized gun uh, and you will... I don't care if you're 35 and you buy it, you're going to be 65 and you're still going to be shooting it, okay? Because you can't do any better than that. It's an outstanding gun, a Ruger 10-22. Now, there are others. Sure, you can get an Anschutz or a blah, 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 okay? There are ones that are made off of that platform. There's other things like that. But a Ruger 10-22 is a great place to start, okay? Then it gets into semi-automatic rifles, and it's saying an AR-15. Okay, I can get that. Low low recoil, very loud, but low recoil. <coughs> um, and they, it'll reach out and touch something. It's good for self-defense. It's good at the range. It's just a lot of fun, okay, an AR-15. Then it's talking about um, moving on to an AK-47. <laughs> a lot of people would say that's a jump. Because uh, if you've got an AR-15, you really don't need an AK-47. But who says it's about needing something, okay? If you want something, you know, that's I get a kick when people are talking about, gun. you really don't need a semi-automatic this, or you really don't need an AR-15. Well, I, who says I need it, okay? I can have it because I want it, okay? Uh, who says you need, I was watching the stuff about the uh, auto show last night, which to me an auto show in September doesn't seem right. It should be in January, okay? Um, I can remember going all to all the auto show charity previews for a number of years, for like um, 15 years, 95 to two, uh, probably 10 years worth of going to the auto show preview every year ton of fun, okay? But it should always be in the snow when the, <laughs> the wives are trying to wear their high heels and their fancy gowns and they're stepping in snow banks. That's always fun, right? Anyway, um, uh, but they were talking oh, about some different um, uh, EVs, which they're all falling all over themselves about electric vehicles, which, by the way, turns out to be a, a real bust, okay? Uh, you know, even Farley from Ford has said... Uh, Gosh, I tried to go on a trip, and I ended up uh, leaving the vehicle and renting a gas-powered vehicle. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, um, booty whatever, uh, he's the secretary of transportation, and he says, oh, it can be a challenge finding a charging place. Uh, not to mention the lithium mining in China and all that kind of crap, okay? And with that range anxiety, you can't go anywhere. Uh, an F-150... Uh, lightning, okay? It's got 
oh, it's got 380 miles range. Unless you're pulling a trailer, then it's got 170 miles range. And then if you put anything in the trailer, it goes 120 miles. You know, that's ridiculous, okay? But they do go fast. And they were talking about that last night. These different electric electric vehicles. Oh, this this electrical electric vehicle does zero to sixty in two point five seconds. Okay. Now I'm of the era where we had muscle cars, and that we were always striving for good speeds on zero to sixty. Nothing approached two point five seconds. Okay. But if somebody wants a car that goes two point five seconds, zero to sixty then they should be able to buy it, okay? I don't hear people going, why do you need a, a, a vehicle that goes 0 to 60 in 2 seconds or 5 seconds or 6 seconds, okay? Uh, and why do you need one that's got a top speed of 190 miles an hour? If you want to, you know... Who says it's about need? It's about what you want. So if you want a, if you want an AK-47, more power to you, okay? Then it talks about the next one being an AR-10, which is a AR platform in 308. Well, I agree 308's a nice platform to have. I have some 308s, okay? And I have them in semi-automatic and in bolt action, and, and uh, I got some 30-06s in, 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 uh, uh, semi-automatic and stuff like that. Point is, is that uh, it's good to have a, a 308 in um, in a semi-automatic platform, whether it's a uh, AR-10 or a PTR. Uh, that it says a tactical carbine. Okay, this is all about the pistol caliber carbines and stuff like that. I don't know. I suppose it. Do you need one? No. But it says a Smith and Wesson M&P. FPC, folding pistol carbine. Okay, that could be fun. Why? Because you want it, okay? Now for a bolt action, a Remington 700. Now that is an outstanding choice, okay? Or a Winchester 70. Or uh, uh, they're talking about if you want to get a precision rifle, get a Savage 110 precision rifle. And it talks about bullpups. Keltec, an RDB. Keltec RDB series redefines the bullpup flat platform. So it's a it's an AR platform uh, not an AR platform. It's a bullpup platform that uses AR mags and stuff. Pretty interesting. Uh single shot guns being a Henry single shot or you could have a Ruger rolling block, you know, number 1 or something like that. But Henry, that would be a cool one to have a single shot because then there's no question about when people are going uh you know, that's what they always say with AR-15. You don't need an AR-15 to to uh, go hunting. Well, you can. I use an AR-15 for hunt. Well, not an AR-15. I use a AR platform in um, 50 caliber, uh, 50 Beowulf for deer hunting. Okay. Uh, why? Because I want to. Okay. And it only holds three rounds. Well, actually, the, in the, the standard mag only holds three rounds in there. You can actually use a regular AR-15 mag and it'll hold like seven rounds or something. But uh, uh, I think that uh, a single shot is interesting because then the single shot is, uh, boy, it's uncomplicated. It's extremely safe. Okay, and very accurate, dependable, and affordable. 
And it also uh, emphasizes the one shot, one kill. Okay, because you're not going to have time to take a second shot. People always think that, you know, if you hunt with a semi-automatic that you're going to have follow-up shots and stuff. Maybe if the animal is down and you have to uh, humanely harvest it, you know, uh, put it out of its misery, let's say. But the thing is, is that often one shot is what you get. So if you got a single shot, then that's it. Okay, and if you miss that deer, you'll get the next one. Or you'll go to the range and practice some more, whatever. Okay. Uh, for a lever action, they're saying a Henry All-Weather. Now, I understand that. The, the Henry All-Weathers are pretty cool. They're in stainless. They, they make them in the big 4570s and stuff like that. And theoretically, going out into the, the, the moisture, they, they are impervious to moisture. The stocks don't warp because they don't, they're not wood. They don't... Ex, uh, absorb moisture and trap moisture against a steel component. Uh, so, okay, I can kind of agree with that, but I want to say, uh, and they're talking about a big bore lever action, like a 4570 or something, but I would say um, from a 45, from a um, uh, lever action standpoint, you absolutely would want to have one in like 3030, like a Marlin 336. There's a new one out, Marlin 336. Um, Ruger is making that again, and they make it outstanding. Same thing with the new, the big, the big bore um, lever actions, the 4570 and stuff like that. But uh, I think the good old 3030, and there's a couple other rounds out there. There's the um, there's the new one, the 360 Buckhammer, they call it. And uh, they're chambering some of those lever actions in that because it's uh, it's a straight wall cartridge. That's one of the problems with a... I have a... Gosh, I got a beautiful 1953 um, Winchester 94 and 3030. I just love it, okay? Outstanding gun. Very friendly, light, handy, easy to handle, stuff like that. But I can't use it down here for hunting because it's a shouldered cartridge. The 3030 is a shouldered cartridge. But now they make them in 360 Buckhammer, which is a rimmed cartridge meant to be used in a lever action. So that's really cool. And so I would say that would be one you wouldn't outgrow as well. Uh, let's see. The next story I was reading about, let's see what else I got. I'm reading about the um, favorite 44 Magnum rifles of 2023. So um, I want to say, I and I have a I have a 44 Magnum rifle. Actually, it's my I gave it to my son, okay? Uh, it's a Ruger um, Model 77, Mark 77. Uh, it is in stainless and camo, camo uh, stock and a camo scope on it. He used it uh, got a nice uh, deer with it last year. And uh, he uses it on his plate because it's down south down here, and you can use a straight wall pistol cartridge. And uh, the 44 Magnum does well for the distances that, that he's got on his property. So um, I would I would say a 44 Magnum in, in lever action, like a, let's see, what's a good one? Uh, Henry makes them. 
Uh, Marlin makes the 1894 Classic in 44 Magnum. Uh, there's a single-shot version called a CVA Scout, which is um, a 44 Magnum with a 22-inch barrel, but it's a break action, okay, single-shot, like we talked about. Henry also makes a cool single-shot. And, and um, just like the, the CVA Scout, uh, let's see, like CVA Scout, the, they make one called a V2 that is uh, 44 Magnum in a single-shot break action. I think that would be an outstanding hunting, first hunting rifle for uh, somebody downstate here, even upstate. But, but the distances that you can use a 44 Magnum at are less than what you could use a... Um, a bottle, uh, you know, a bottleneck cartridge up north. Uh, let's see, Winchester 1892 would be good. Uh, I, I, I want to say there's a lot of fun guns that you can have with a 44 Magnum, and I actually have, uh, I have a Smith and Wesson 629 that I have a scope mount for. I've never put it on it. Um, I had for a little while. I traded my brother some guns. Uh, uh, a uh, 1911 for a uh, Ruger Beastly Hunter in 44 Magnum, 8-inch barrel with a scope on it. Outstanding gun. They make good for guns for handgun hunting. Um, uh, and, and again, you don't really need the double action because you're not likely to get a follow-up shot on something like that. Oh, let's see. I mentioned la this I mentioned a couple weeks ago. A bipartisan group wants to the return of heart uh, hunting and archery funding. That was part of that, uh, uh, what was it? It was part of the um, Bipartisan Community Safety Act that uh, that uh, Connolly and a bunch of people voted for, and then now uh, Biden has turned it into a, a device to use executive orders. Like, can you imagine? Matter of fact, we've got a uh, hunter safety going this weekend out at uh, Tri-County, and um, can now that that's not a school, obviously, but can you imagine why if you are having a school event and you've got archery, let's say I remember in gym class they used to do archery. I think that uh, they still do in some places. And, and let's say you have an archery team or archery event. Uh, let's say you're having hunter safety or a gun safety class. And so Biden comes out and says, well, we're going to withhold federal funding from any school that um, that has archery or hunting, uh, you know, associated with it, with safety classes and stuff. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Is there a uh, plethora of, uh, of archery uh, violence going on in the inner cities? Uh, gee whiz, the uh, hunting safety class, do we think that's going to actually affect any, well, we got to do something. Well, it's crap, okay? And uh, so now all of these people that voted for what they thought was a, uh, a bipartisan Community Safeties Act, now we're finding out that, that the, uh, the Dems are, are wielding power and um, uh, in. Oh, what's it called? The the uh, and the acts that they uh, you know. Uh, I've got a pen and a phone. I can write this out, and boy, we'll have a um, executive order that will 
take funding from schools if they have that. That'll teach them. Then that eventually the kids won't have archery and hunting safety class. You know, that is uh, wrong. That is just totally wrong. And um, I want to say if they had, maybe if they had more safety classes in schools, they would, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I think that the uh, the whole thing with the violence, the gun violence, they, they don't follow laws. They, they you know, you, you hear about uh, gangs that are out there and they, you know, somebody dissed somebody else, so somebody started shooting. What a bunch of crap. Whatever happened to... Uh, either a fight, you know, with fists or, you know, verbal abuses or something. Now they take it to a gun first thing. It's just ridiculous, okay? Uh, let's see. The last story, yeah, that's the Mosin Nagant story. We're not going to talk about that. By the way, did I mention a couple weeks ago that uh, Missouri has declared the Hawken rifle as a state gun? I think that is so cool. Uh, and Hawken rifles are pretty neat in that they are kind of halfway between the old flintlocks and uh, and more modern rifles that they had percussion caps. Uh, I have a Hawken rifle, and I love it, okay? Um, it actually, um, uh, it shoots well. It is, it shoots, um, it's got a rifled barrel on it. So and it shoots balls, but you you tamp them down. You, it's a spinning ball. It's a sphere. It's rifled, so you've got accuracy there. And because it's a percussion cap, you have a more reliable ignition source. Okay, uh, it's not as reliable as let's say two hundred nine primer ignition on other modern um, other modern muzzle loaders. Uh, which can be either ones with breech type and stuff. But um, I want to say it's, uh, it, it is a kind of a halfway between point. And that reminds me, when I get this cast off, I got to get it out. And, uh, and also my other, my muzzle loader too. There's another, uh, I have a CVA muzzle loader that's uh, got 209 ignition on it. <clears throat> and I every year I get it out, get it ready to go hunting, and then I don't, I don't use it. <laughs> but I'll have to do that again this year. So uh, I'll go to the range and check the site on it and all that kind of stuff just for fun. Uh, I think getting ready for hunting season, I always enjoyed, uh, oh, man, what do I need to get? Oh, what's the latest deer scent uh, thing? And what's the latest in uh, attractants? And what's... Uh, <laughs> You know the little things, the little felt strips you would put dough urine on in the in and hang them from a tree. You know all this stuff. Does it work? Well, it sure catches my attention, and it sure catches the. It's it's like uh, all the different uh, fishing lures. It sure catches the fishermen. Same thing for hunting. This is Dick Cupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk sixteen hundred. I'll see you next week. <laughs>